Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 38. I just wanted to say thanks to my previous guest, Barlow Jacobs. And uh, as promised, uh, he gave me a copy of Lo and Behold that is autographed. And we, I, did the, I, I plugged all the names of uh, listeners that wanted it, uh, plugged it into the randomizer. And, uh, you know, I, I wish that you could all get one. But, hey, you could always just go to the Lo and Behold website and, and buy one that way. Just throwing that out there. Uh, but the lucky winner is Tim McKay. So, Tim, uh, shoot me an email with your address, and I will send this to you as soon as I can. All right. Here we go. We have another guest. Uh, there's going to be a lot of guests. Three. There's going to be three guests. There's Barlow, and there's the guy today, and there's going to be another one next time. And then it, uh, then I'll probably be out for a while. So uh, I do not plan that far ahead. So here we go. Uh, my guest today is Will Gray. Will, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here. Oh, I'm glad to have you, Will. <laughs> All right. Will and I are friends, and uh, and I think this whole thing is just uh, very silly to, to both of us. But that's fine. That's fine. Um, all right. So, Will, now we're changing things up. You are a musician. Yes. All right. And, uh, and we want to get to know you a little bit. Well, I mean, I do. I assume the listener does as well, by extension. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you, where are you from? And uh, where, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Okay. Uh, I was born in New York and um, grew up kind of half of my life there. Then my family moved to Tennessee. Um, went from New York City to a farm in West Tennessee and uh, went to high school, college in Tennessee, and then bounced around a little bit, lived in D.C., uh, lived in Massachusetts, and then my wife and I, we moved out to Los Angeles, and we've been out here for about two and a half years now. All right. And uh, and at what point did you, well, let's let's see. Should I start now and work backwards, or should I start then and work forwards? I'm going to start then and work forwards. Here we go. <laughs> As you, okay, there's no inner monologue. Anyway, um, so what uh, what caused you to uh, pursue music? Uh, was it just something that you were uh, raised with, and at some point decided this is what I want to do, or or how did that work out? Um, I grew up in a musical family, so my dad was a musician. Um, my brother's musician, and uh, there's always music around the house. Um, lots of great records, my dad's record collection, and kind of sifting through those growing up really kind of shifted my perspective on life, you know, really uh, shaped the, the views that I have on the world. Um, I love Stevie Wonder. I love the Beatles. Um, and those those songs, you know, those melodies, those lyrics just kind of, seeped in somewhere along the way and I guess that, that shifted my uh, perspective and said hey maybe there's something else that I can do with my life it's always been like in the back of my head this far off dream of you know making a living or being a musician for for a living and uh and that actually it, it's it's interesting you mentioned Stevie Wonder and the Beatles when I think of those two artists I think of or you know the artist and the the band um they don't seem remarkably similar to me. And if there's one thing that I know about your music, it's that your your influences are fairly diverse. Like, you consider yourself a hip-hop folk artist, and those are two things that don't often go together. Um, and so before I continue that line of, of questioning, were there any other major influences on you early on in life that you said I want to I want to be not necessarily be that but that's kind of inspiring me right right well I mean we grew up you know in Mount Vernon New York you know right around the center you know of hip-hop the birthplace of hip-hop and so my older brothers were friends with a lot of those early early guys I mean we mm -hmm. grew up right around the corner from Heavy D LL Cool J lived 10 minutes from our house you know my mom yelled at them <laughs> you know kind of the neighborhood you know stop making so much noise sort of thing and so you grow up in that and so that is deeply ingrained in me too and then we moved to Tennessee then I hear all this roots music this Americana bluegrass country and trying to make sense of it in my own head um, but I think it's all about stories I think that people that are telling great stories that are writing great melodies 
all those things resonate. Those things are similar. And I think the greatest commonality between that folk music or that rural music and the urban hip hop music is that they're all telling stories about their lives. It's all true emotions. And so I tend to gravitate towards what's true. So when you talk about these different artists from Stevie Wonder to the Beatles to KRS-One to the Fugees to Miles Davis to whatever, the, these are all artists that are pulling from a true emotion. You know, the the lyric is telling stories that are either directly personal, real life, or reflecting real situations that they've kind of experienced, or they're singing and playing from very raw, visceral emotions. And so I think those are greatest commonalities in terms of like folk and hip hop. I really believe that they're just opposite sides of the same coin. Hmm. And that that is interesting because it's, uh, and maybe this is a frustration that you have as well, um, with film, it frustrates me the way things are so clearly delineated. Like, okay, this is a drama, this is a comedy, this is an action film, you know, whatever. Um, and but then there are some films that refuse that refuse to be that, and that's not the frustrating part. The frustrating part is just the just the inherent categorization, like wanting to almost take things down to their most basic levels so that it's more understandable. Um, and so, like, you'll have some dramas that have comedy in them to the point where you're not really sure what they are. Movies like Up in the Air or Sideways. Uh, Sideways is almost pretty largely, con- pretty widely considered a comedy, but there's a lot of pretty heavy drama in there. But, you know, uh, whether it be like a studio, which likes to categorize things if for no other reason than so that it fits into certain types of award shows, uh, or my former workplace, Blockbuster, which... You need a you need sections for people to go to, and this is clearly in the drama section, and so. Um, but it's frustrating when you're trying to rec- you know if, for me like if I'm trying to recommend a movie to someone and they ask, well, is that a drama? Is that a comedy? Like, what is that? And it's like, well, it's just a. I mean, I guess it's both. I guess it's it's just a great movie. Like, can't that be enough? And and it's interesting t- to me uh, that with with your your style of music but also in talking about your influences just that they seem to like you said they seem to come from the same place and sometimes there'll be some crossover in in musical genre but some people whether they be the consumer or you know uh music companies or whatever just seem to want to reduce just reduce it to something that's a little more marketable or easily packaged or something. Is that something I realize I've been talking for a while. Is that something that, that you have run across certainly with your own music because it is very distinct and and unique and doesn't necessarily fall into one or the other. Is that, uh, have you had any of that kind of frustration at all? If the answer is no, it's fine. We can move on. Right. I, um, you know, I myself, I'm not, I'm not frustrated by it. I think that, you know, record labels or any of the quote-unquote powers that be or the gatekeepers are sometimes confused by it. You know, I've I've heard hundreds of times that I, I really love what you're doing, but I don't know exactly where it fits because the industry is set up for the bins, you know, yeah. um, be it radio or used to be CD stores or whatever. But, you know, whatever those classifications are, they want to make it easy for fans to find the music, which I, I totally understand. But because of that, we get things condensed down um, to a very base level. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot like in film, when you have these enormous action movies or whatever, they just don't require a lot of translation. So yeah. it becomes an international thing you know something exploding you can understand that whether you (laughs) you know speak chinese or whether you speak french it makes sense you know there's There's no subtitles for a huge for a train collision or something exactly and then in the music industry something like boom boom pow (laughs) needs no translation (laughs) and so it works in america it works in malaysia and you don't have to condense it down where if you take something that has a lyric with a little bit more nuance a little bit more story 
it just can't move as quickly. It can't sell as quickly because it takes a while to build up. And, um, you know, I guess everything has their, has its own place. I personally tend to lean towards things that have a bit more nuance, a bit more character. And it just takes time. It's like getting to know a person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can judge a person based on their outward appearance um, or whatever things, kind of external things. You can take the time to really get to know someone. And then you might find some things that you love that are completely unexpected. Hmm. Um, and uh, so I do want to I do want to move on real quick. Uh, so you have released as of right now, you've released uh, one one album, which is. Yeah, I, I released um, an EP. It's a six song EP mm-hmm. and um, have been working on a full length album for a while now. And uh, the EP is called Introducing Will Gray. Yes. Aptly titled, I got to say. Thank you. Uh, it's a good introduction. <laughs> uh, I have it. All my friends have it. Uh, that last part isn't true. I, w- I encourage them to buy it, but they haven't yet because, uh, uh, you know, they don't, they don't listen to my recommendations. That's fine. Um, but uh, now, so, okay, what is the, um, the album that you're working on? Can you, how, how much detail can you go into uh, about that uh, as as much as you would like to know what do you what do you want to know about it well first off you told me before and I wish I had asked before we started recording because I remember really liking the name of it and now I don't remember the name of it what is the name of the upcoming album the new new album is called honeysuckle wine honeysuckle wine yeah sounds delicious thanks <laughs> but uh jeez. <laughs> oh, um I'm going to tell the listener, I am on three and a half hours sleep, so I might be a little punchy and a little silly. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Honeysuckle wine is what we're talking about. Um, and, uh, and what's interesting when you first uh, told me about it is uh, who is uh, producing it. Is, it. is it producing or co-producing? Well, it's, there's a myriad, um, <laughs> a multifaceted, okay. multi-layered team involved um, but we we do have several people that are involved with the project. I mean, until everything's finalized, you can never say what's going to make the final cut. But right. um, yeah, I mean, there there are several people involved in the project right now. Yeah, and is there? Do you have any uh, any idea of when that might be uh, released? I know that it's been an ongoing thing. Right, right. I mean, and that's that's a funny thing. So for. The record, I mean, we've written a lot for the record. I've done a lot of demoing for the record. Um, and it's such it's such a difficult process to, to actually get something out to the world. Mm-hmm. And as I feel in a, in a proper way, yeah. um, I, I think that just about anyone can make a record and put it up on iTunes and whatever. But I think for an artist like myself, they're, they're multifaceted hurdles to getting something out there. Um, and so trying to do that, trying to find the best ways to do that, I've run into lots of, you know, brick walls and things like that. And we are making this movie um, about some of that process and, and, and what are some of these challenges to getting the music out. Um, um, and that's, that is something that, that always struck me as, as interesting about your career and the choices that you're making is that there's there is a a great deal of emphasis in any uh in any business but certainly in in artistic uh, any kind of uh artistic endeavor to just get something just get something out there and admittedly you have the ep out there but like oh a first this is my first feature length album uh you know the music is is the way i want but i got to make sure but i and i got to get it out there i got to get my name out there as soon as possible um and i like that uh i like that you don't want to do that until it's right because otherwise it could just hey it's been released and then it went away you know um you hear stories about um uh like jason reitman i mentioned up in the air earlier he wrote and directed that he he directed Juno and then he wrote and directed Thank You for Smoking and early on he was asked to uh be a uh, be a part I I believe direct um I think it was Dude Where's My Car uh I'm not 100% on that but I think it's that uh a film very much unlike the films that he eventually started making. And he wound up uh, turning it down. Now, admittedly, 
his father was Ivan Reitman, the director, so he might have felt he had a bit more freedom to do that. But, you know, there he had an opportunity that most people in Hollywood would kill for. Oh, the opportunity to direct this thing. Or maybe, or it might have been uh, write the thing, but I'm almost positive it was direct. Um, you know, what a great opportunity. Let's do it. And he said, no, that's not what I want to be because before you know it, I could be heading down a path I have no interest in being, in being on. And so he held off for a long time. I mean, Dude, Where's My Car came out in, I think, 2000. And, you know, Thank You for Smoking came out in 2006. I think it was finished in 2005. And so, you know, he held off for a long time because he wanted it to be the right thing, you know, so that his career could be as effective as possible. You know, I mean, I... I mean, I've talked about both Thank You for Smoking and Up in the Air on this podcast because there's a lot to learn from both films. And so I, I've, you know, I, one thing that I've admired when you and I have, have spoken in the past about the choices that you're making is that you, you're not doing it haphazardly. You're not doing it just to get yourself out there. You want to do it right. Right. And the, the thing about it is that getting music out there, for me, this is really... A first step, and I think first steps are really important. They lay a, a sense of foundation, a sense of groundwork, and and getting the music out. And so I want to do that well. I don't think that you shouldn't create. I'm always making things. I'm always kind of digging deeper. And as we're getting deeper into the album, it's all about well, what song will push songs off the album? Can we continue to make things, write things that? Or just better, where it's like, okay, this now, it has to go. You know, we want to have that problem of too many songs, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, for the record. But when I look out, you know, the country, a lot of people are releasing a lot of music, and I don't, I really don't have any qualms against that. You know, like, I, I think I write, I mean, when I'm actively writing, I mean, I'll turn out three, four songs a week. But do I release all the songs? No, because one, all of them are not good, and some of them they they deserve. I think songs deserve their own place in their own setting. But there are bands out there that have put out more music than the Beatles, and it just makes me wonder. It's like, well, should you be writing that much? You know, should you be <laughs> releasing that much material? I think that you have to write your way into honing your craft. But I don't know that it all should be heard, so to speak. Well, I mean, to uh, d- don't worry, listeners. Music and film will converge in a few minutes. Uh, I don't want to make it seem like I'm coming up with film examples for every music example he comes up with, uh, so th- so as to make it uh, relevant to the the podcast. Um, but it's like Woody Allen. I mean, Woody Allen has released like a movie a year. For, I mean, it's sometimes I, there's been a, a longer space in between there, but never very much. If you look at somebody like like a Martin Scorsese or, or certainly a Steven Spielberg, sometimes there are several years in between their films. You look at someone like Terrence Malick, sometimes there are decades uh, between their films. Um, and But Terrence Malick, every movie he's made has been absolutely astounding, um, whereas Woody Allen, for all the movies that he's made, he had a nice little run in the 80s and the early 90s, but like the last few movies he's made have been fairly mediocre and you kind of feel like, you know, I, I guess you do what you got to do to keep, keep, you know, in practice. But at the same time, all of a sudden, like the name Woody Allen doesn't mean what it doesn't mean what it used to mean because you're just always working and always putting stuff out. And some of it's just not that great. Well, it is a different type of artist, you know, mm-hmm. it's like and I think we respect and we enjoy certain artists for certain reasons you know just like food i mean it's like we don't always want fast food some people never want fast food and you you want that variance and i think everybody has their place in their lane and i think if we try to even fit people into the same box in that way we as artists are doing the same things that the quote-unquote gatekeepers are doing and saying Oh, it's got to be in this bin. It's got to be in that. It's like I, I appreciate everyone who's out there creating and making things, and I respect it. For myself, I feel like I have to to pace it. 
Right. You know, I, I have an, an artistic vision, and to shift that would would be some sense of of great compromise. And so I want to keep it consistent with what um with what I want to accomplish. Yeah, that's uh, from a uh, from a critic standpoint. Uh, t- Talking to you is always a lot of fun because because of like what you just said, compromise is not something you're interested in, and it's something that critic like critics have a fun maybe fun isn't the word, but they have an interesting uh, life because they can speak in terms of pure academics or pure theory and pure idealism. They can, whereas filmmakers or artists sometimes need to compromise the critic can be like yeah that wasn't as good as it could have been and it's like oh well and you don't want to be and that's the thing is you don't want to be a jerk about it or anything but it's it's kind of a rare thing to find an artist whether it be film or music or whatever who is who's unwilling to 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 compromise like and and there's always going to be compromises there's no question um but uh but it's always fun for me to talk to you because like I said, um, the way that you're going about your career is one that's that's very very exciting because you know, like you said, as 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 much as people might uh, find certain terms like vision to be like kind of like ah, that's uh, phrase like that is is off putting. It is what you have, you know. You have a vision and you have a certain way that you want to do it, and you're going to have to make some compromises along the way. But you still got to stay true to that vision, and that's what I that's that that's will that's what I've always liked about you is that you're you're staying true to your vision. But let me ask you this: <laughs> uh, I'm going to skip over an entire line of questioning that we were discussing beforehand, um, and uh, and now we're going to bring everything together. Uh, and you mentioned a moment ago you mentioned making a film, right? And uh, and I believe I mentioned back i think it was the iron man episode um i i talked about your film and i even played one of your songs at the end of the episode um you are making a film entitled broke yes all right what is uh, will I, I don't even know what to ask what is broke <laughs> broke broke is a, a feature length uh documentary film uh, uh, mostly about the music industry, and it takes my personal story as a case study. Really, you know, it's it's one of those things where we let the cameras roll, and it captures my process in trying to make this record and trying to get it out, and some of the challenges that are there, and then features commentary like interviews on the things that are happening in my life. So. If I'm trying to book a show, then you'll hear other people trying talking about the booking world and those challenges, et cetera, et cetera. And it's and it's interesting. I, I you've shown me a, a a short version of of the film, and it struck me as as I mean interesting, as as frustrating. Not necessarily the film itself, but of course the the process as you're talking about, because uh, one of the big questions, maybe the big question that uh, that the film asks is can an artist break and of course the word break like what does that really even mean certainly these days and um and so what i was curious about was what made you feel like this was something you you wanted to do i mean you're you're making the album um and you're working on the you know the ins and outs and complexities of that what made you think man i really wish there were cameras following me around constantly well, it's it's really not it's not what I um it's not it's not what I wanted at all. Um, I had an idea. I felt like this was something that light needed to be shed upon uh, because I know so many people that are going through similar things. You know, my story as individual as it is is not overly unique. Um, if you watch it, it, it may feel at times fantastical, but I can point you to a hundred artists that have the exact same story with different characters. So, but no one was telling the story. Hmm. Um, so I wanted to tell that story, and it's it's a thing of trying to find a way to do it. You know, the the 
the process of making something. It's it's found materials, and so for me, it's like, well, what, what do I have? Um, you know, I have myself. I um, you know have access to other people. You know, as much time and as in, invasive as a process as a, a documentary like that can be. We felt like, okay, well, this is the the best way to tell this story and to just use my my life as a case study. You know, I took the idea. I pitched it to a few people. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm trying to pitch an idea. I pitched it to a few people, and they were kind of like, I don't really understand it, or whatever. And then uh, I sat down with T-Bone Burnett, and we talked through the idea for the movie. And he was just like, I think it sounds like a great idea. Um, and I was talking to him, trying to find, okay, well, what? you know, production company or da da da. How do we get funding? And he was like, why don't you just do it yourself? Hmm. He's like, you know, get a couple of cameras and start, just start the process, just start filming. And, um, I kind of took him at, at his word and, uh, everything kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. It's, uh, that, that in itself is fascinating to me uh, because it's like, Hey, you know how, uh, you think a film should be made, huh? I know you've never made a movie before. Why don't you make it? And, uh, I mean, was there... Aside, I mean, of course, you're you're following some uh, the advice of somebody who uh, you respect, so there's that. But, I mean, aside from that, like, was there something in your mind that's just like, I've, I've never made a movie before. What? Why do I think I can do this? Well, that's the thing. You know, I, I don't... I'd never claim to be a filmmaker. I will <laughs> never ever say that I'm a filmmaker even after, you know, the film is done. I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that if we just literally film things, then we we can build out we can build out a, a compelling story cuz I think it's there. We see it every day in our lives. I call my friends I say guess what happened today <laughs> and it's like oh my gosh I can't believe these things are are happening so just by by documenting by cataloging those things you start to build that that sense of a story um you know I'm a student you know I, I definitely do my best in terms of you know research and just watching trying to learn pick up as much as I can and um and I love the idea of team, you know, so it it hits my ear funny when you say that you could do this. It's like I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do it. It's mm-hmm. like, OK, I have an idea. How can I assemble the pieces to get this done? And I went out and um, assembled a great team, you know, mm-hmm. great people around me that know much more about the process. And we all worked under. You know, the limitations of a minuscule or non-existent budget and um, just continue to spread the idea. And again, the, 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 the act of being a storyteller is telling people about this idea and gaining support. And we crowdfunded the entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, so with no studio backing, with no personal money, certainly, because um, I don't have it, everyone gave and gave and gave so that the the film could be made the story could be told and and hopefully we're we're honoring um you know those gifts and that support and so um are you going to be going like the the film festival route uh with the, with the film is it the film is is the shooting part of it is is pretty much done right well the f- the film for all intents and purposes is finished okay um we've shot it we've have an edit we did a final sound mix a couple of weeks ago and we've submitted to some festivals and um we are going that route you know we're not going to submit to dozens and dozens of, of film festivals we're going to submit to several and see how that turns out and then um just get out there with it you know hit the ground running and, and see what we can do to to spread the idea well i do have uh, some questions about uh the making of the film because it is I mean, it's 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 fairly unique. I mean, you do run across some some documentary filmmakers who are directing the film, and then also, for lack of a better word, the star of the film. Um, so you you this is not incredibly unique when it comes to that, but it doesn't happen very often. And 
is it i mean do you sometimes did, did you sometimes find it to be almost a conflict of interest because you're the star and you know what you as a director might want and so you might you know was there a great temptation to sometimes say something a certain way because you know this is going to be a good a good bit a good soundbite or something like that right right um you know i really I really did. I mean, I feel like there was so much on my mind. One, dealing with real life, you know, because it's again, if I'm <laughs> the microcosm, if I'm on the phone talking to a record label, I'm not thinking about a soundbite. Like right. I'm, I'm in a meeting. Like I'm, I have to be focused. Like this is my life. I'm not like pretending. I'm not an actor. If I did, it would come off terribly on camera. Anyway, so it's like. I'm very engaged, you know, if I'm performing, it's like, I'm not, I'm not thinking about the external thing, I'm focusing on the music, if I'm in the studio, those things, I'm focusing on the songs, so that never crossed my mind, what did is that I I am aware that I am making a film, and I know that there are certain things that need to be done, and so we tried to do as best we could our homework in terms of, okay, these are these kind of key places, here's the car, here's the house, here's whatever, how do you like those things? What's the best thing that we can do for sound? What, you know, enough that we did a great job all the time. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's the thing. At doing it yourself, quote unquote, some things fall off the truck because you can't watch every angle of your back, so to speak. But you try to do your homework beforehand and then you just step into the scene and then you just live your life. And so things are set, sound, light, whatever. And. And life happens, you know. Mm-hmm. I I wish that we could have had someone else do the story. I mean, just purely from a logistical standpoint. Um, but I felt like the editing process; it was paramount to have someone else come in and really give them a lot of authority. Yeah. And 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 that editing uh, ed- editing bay, um, so that it it doesn't have a heavy handed thing. I mean, there are things in the film that. I won't say that I don't like, but that I don't I don't agree with, hmm. you know, um, interview sections and, and whatever. We we tried to to be very generous. I mean, you know, again, it, making we're making their own film, but as generous as we could to make sure that we're hearing from multiple sides. So you don't get this one sided, you know, this is this viewpoint and we're trying to drive it home. We're just trying to bring people into a conversation. I mean, really, it's the documentation of a conversation that I had with dozens of people mm-hmm. and we're saying sit in. So you get to hear this person's perspective. You hear that person's perspective and it's just there, you know, there's a comment. There's been so much debate in the past couple of weeks about this comment concerning Kanye West mm-hmm. where, and I'm, I'm a fan of Kanye West, but there's a guy in the documentary, a journalist who says, <laughs> he says a lot of things about Kanye West, but primarily he says essentially people are looking up to you, Kanye West, and he's like, personally, Kanye West said, I don't think you're very good, and he's hmm. like, what are we gonna get if kids are looking up to you and they're trying to emulate you? And in his opinion, he's like, well, I don't think you're very good, right. so we're just gonna get all these kids that aren't very good. Um, it's debate, you know, it's yeah. there, it's up, it's on the table. And I, I've had this like cringe because I'm a big fan of Kanye West and it's like, oh my gosh, here's the thing is and my film, quote unquote. Right. And I'm saying this statement, even though I'm not saying it, but by allowing it to be in the film, it's like, I'm making the statement of, well, we should be thinking about this. Who are our superstars? Who are the next generation aspiring to be? Yeah. It's, it's a question that needs to be asked. And that's, and that, I think that is, it's a good decision to bring in, especially at the editing process, because, I mean, all movies are made in the editing, but documentaries especially, where you just take, you know, hours upon hours of just raw footage and actually shaping it into a coherent story that also has, that also is exploring a message. And, I mean, at this point, regardless of, of, of how objective you're trying to be, the film's about you, directed by you, I mean, you're going you're going to be very subjective, and in in a situation like this, you're a fan of the guy that uh, that this person's talking about. But you're absolutely right; he's bringing up a question that should be asked, and the editor was right to say, 
yeah, we need to leave that in there. Even if uh, you will want, you may wind up getting angry letters from Kanye West someday. But um, <laughs> right. But it's uh, yeah, it's as the as the subject of the film. Do you were there ever moments where you thought like, man, I really wish I hadn't done this. I could really go for some privacy right now. Um, whether it be like, have you ever did you hit a snag in like putting together the album or whatever where you're suddenly like I really just want to be alone this is frustrating I'd prefer not to have this moment captured on film at the very least because I personally don't want to relive it but I also maybe don't want other people to see it I mean was it was that ever a frustration um again and maybe I'm, I'm a strange individual it really it really was and I felt like the the process the making of the film which is more important than um, at, at times my own, my own personal comfort. I mean, there's some very, um, some very difficult moments, you know, captured, um, in the film, but I felt like all of these things will hopefully be a help to, to other people so that we can unflatten, we can inflate or dimensionalize, uh, the people that we see on stage, you know, when you go and you buy a CD or a pay for a download or steal a download or whatever to realize that these are real people that are trying to do this, just are trying to make a living and we reap the benefits where we entertain ourselves at the expense of, of other people's work and mm -hmm. um, just trying to humanize that a bit. So, yeah. And so in humanizing yourself and just putting everything out there, you just feel like, well, if if it's like this for me, it's like this for all these other people, and uh, and I think there is a great deal of disconnect often between the artist and the audience. Sometimes it's because the artist wants it that way, but often I think it's because you know we live in a world where uh, I never thought I would start. I'd legitimately start a sentence like that. We live in a world, Will Gray, uh, where you know where there's a magazine that has a feature that's about celebrities and has a feature called like they're just like us or something like that. And the fact that there that there's a magazine that needs to say that like oh look so and so is mowing okay well they don't probably not mowing their yards but you know what I mean like uh they uh you know they enjoy gardening or they go shopping sometimes. You know and, and so the fact that that we put celebrities on this pedestal um and then, of course, we put them on a pedestal, and then if they ever fall off, we're part of us are so we're so excited that like, oh, they've fallen to our level. Well, they were always at our level, and it's something that we sometimes forget. Um, they just happen to be in a highly visible and, in some cases, incredibly financially successful uh, position. And so, um, so yeah, the idea of putting yourself out there as yeah, this is very frustrating, and here's you know, kind of a almost a warts and all attitude, you know, it, it helps to, to humanize all, all artists and, and whether they be musicians or otherwise. Um, but I did have a, I did have a question. Um, well, I have, a, I have, a, I have a couple questions. One is, I mean, you mentioned that you've, you know, you've been crisscrossing the country, um, talking to various people. You've been talking to journalists, you've been talking to, artists themselves are there any uh would you, would you be interested in perhaps dropping a few names uh as far as who you know some of the people that are in the film some of the perhaps higher profile people that that uh viewers might uh, might know about yeah if the sure. answer is no that's fine no it's totally fine i mean because again i feel like all of it is such is such a gift i think people are so gracious to us um you know, I'm I'm excited to let people know who's in the film. It's not to me. It doesn't feel like a, a name droppy thing. You know, I'm just um, honored to have people be a part of the project and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, we were fortunate enough to have uh, John Legend be a part of the film. Uh, Isaac Slade uh, from the band The Fray. Mm. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, uh, American Idol winners, um, part of the film. <clears throat> uh, legendary uh, record producer Don Was. Hmm. Uh, as a part of the film, um, 
author and, and, and marketing guru Seth Godin um, was a part of the film. Uh, you gave me a funny look. Seth is kind of the uh, equivalent or a parallel to like a Malcolm Glad- Gladwell, who's maybe oh, a okay. bit more pop or whatever. Um, but Seth is absolutely brilliant. I think hmm. everyone will walk away from the film going, who is that guy, Seth Godin? So buy all his books. Um, I mean, there I mean, there really are. There are a number of people in the film, you know, indie artists. We interviewed over 70 People, there, you know, there's some people that are, you know, very established. People that didn't didn't make the final cut. I mean, it's funny. We yeah. we we lay it all out there, and we want to give the indie artists a voice, you know. And it was really we tried to stay focused. There were all these rules. I mean, again, in terms of like editing the film, how do you stay the most objective? It's like we we kind of set these these rules that eliminated a lot of footage that just became. Not not relevant to us, no. um, but the, we're a phenomenal phenomenal cast, so to speak. And again, just very thankful for everyone that gave her their time to to be a part of the project. And uh, and I do want I do want to kind of delve into some of the things about the film that you've told me, um, because as you were, you know, as you were examining this idea of an artist breaking and what that means and how how that happens um you know you you wound up uh, you know it's it's interesting i remember you were over for dinner one time and we were talking about the film and and uh you got so passionate talking about the things that you have disco- not necessarily discovered i mean other people know it but uh but the things that you've found out about the music industry in general and how, how incredibly, I mean, I I don't want to sound cynical or melodramatic or anything, but how incredibly it favors the studio over the artist. And of course we, the consumer or the audience, I'd rather say, um, we look at the, we see the artists because, of course, they're the ones out front. They're the visible ones. And we see them living lavish lifestyles and that sort of thing. But in actuality, they are, I mean, it is the, it is the, the, comp- the, the music companies and, the, and the, the record labels that are running the whole show. Um, you know, without, without giving away, you know, everything in the film, of course, uh, is there, can you expound on that a little bit? Because it was yeah, really interesting I mean, this when you is... talked to me about it. It's kind of just music business, music industry, you know, basics or whatever. So in terms of the way that artists deal with labels, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that when an artist signs on with the record label, they're in essence just taking on a big loan. I mean, record labels are Bank of America that's just willing to loan, you know, uh, crazy artist money to, to make music. So because of that high risk loan that they're giving out the way that that money is then paid back, you know, greatly favors uh, the record label. So it's not a thing of interest per se, but they set a percentage. So if you sign to a label, then you're on a percentage deal. So say your deal is 10 points, 10 percentage points. So if every dollar, that's made. I mean, most people would think, okay, we had a record, we made a dollar, that dollar goes towards my debt, I'm getting out of debt, et cetera, et cetera. Well, not exactly. You are definitely paying the record label back, and that dollar that came in definitely went to the record label, but the only thing that counts against your debt is whatever percentage point that you negotiated. So if you're on a 10-point deal, then you're paying back a dime at a time from every dollar that's made. So if you took out a half a million dollar loan, mm-hmm. but you're paying it back 10 cents at a time. So if you've made $500,000 yeah. and you're like, Hey, I'm out, you know, I paid the, I paid the label. And it's like, no, well you've, you've only paid $50,000 of your $500,000 debt. Yeah. And so for artists to get out of those, deals to be able to renegotiate to be able to actually see any money then you have to sell millions and millions of records so now what we're seeing with fewer artists being 
put out, fewer artists getting signed, is that those those artists aren't able to break through because no one's selling that many records. Mm-hmm. So artists are kind of hooked into the labels and at the mercy of. And they do it, and it's like, well, why? Why would anybody? Why would anybody sign with with a label? It's because for those moments, it's like there's that that sense of hope. They're getting to actually create a product that hopefully resonates with what they want to do as an artist. You know, if you if you find the right label situation, if that label's willing to invest the money to put together the right team then you have a chance at making a record that maybe does break through, that maybe does resonate with who you are, um, you know, as a person, even though going into it, you know that you're not in the most favorable deal. Mm -hmm. But if you have some success, you can renegotiate and you can figure out a way to, to maybe have a a bit more of a positive financial anyway situation. You know, it's fascinating when you, when you describe it, I, I, it, it sounds like the mafia. I mean, it, it almost has that kind of vibe to it. Uh, I know it's not, um, but just this idea of like, well, hey, you know, you, uh, we helped you out, and uh, you're locked into us, and then you got to keep coming. You know, you got to keep coming back because you agreed to something early on. Because of course, oh well, I have the opportunity to do you know what I want to do, what I've what I've always wanted to do. I'm you know live this dream. Uh, and it, it almost, it's, it's vague, it's maybe not even vaguely predatory. It, it's kind of has, maybe, maybe mafia is not right. Maybe drug dealer is, is the right thing. You know, there's someone who wants to try something out and it's like, oh, well, here you go. Knowing full well, they're just going to need to keep coming back to you. Um, and they're never going to be able to really, seldom are going to be able to really break free. It's, uh. I remember when you first like spelled it out to me like that, and that's the thing is maybe a lot of people know this, and I'm new to the party. That's entirely possible, but uh, I remember being remarkably uh, depressed and kind of discouraged. Thankfully, I have no i I sing uh, in rock band with my friends, not a rock band. I sing in rock band. I like to sing Kenny Rogers, The Gambler, and so I I don't aspire to these things. But as somebody who does. And somebody who knows a lot of people that does that, that, that do aspire to these things, I mean, this has to be fairly discouraging for you, you know, as you've delved deeper into it. In in some ways, and, and I guess this maybe brings us back full circle to the idea of approach. It's like if you know this is a very tough business, and that you know the deals aren't extremely favorable for new or developing artists. I don't understand why someone would sign a deal and make music that they don't like. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like having a vision and trying to see that through, yes, there are going to be points of compromise, but I think you have to be fairly confident that you're going to be able to have a record that you feel proud of. You know, So I've tried to navigate my way through it where if, if, if I were to sign with a record label, that it would be a situation that's mutually favorable um, at least when we're thinking about long term and even long term in the music industry is five years. But yeah, yeah. When, when we're thinking down the road that it's a deal that makes sense for both of us. Um, well, I want to start wrapping up. But one of the things that I was that I was curious about is. You know what? Uh, I mean, you, you started talking about uh, wanting to when you made the film or when you started to make the film, wanting to show the process and maybe, you know, maybe show people you know, aspiring artists or whatever, show them what it's like, what this kind of thing is like. Um, and that's how it started. Now that the film is, I mean, basically finished, Mm -hmm. essentially, Mm -hmm. um, what is your goal with it now? What do you hope to accomplish with it? I mean, it's, I mean, you're exploring some things that are, you know, as I mentioned, kind of can be kind of discouraging, um, you know, but, uh, and I haven't seen the, the, the finished film, so I don't know the tone that it ends on, you know, it, it, like uh, something that I've said before, um, is that a film is about how, how it ends usually. Um, and so I don't know if it goes out on a hopeful tone or incredibly cynical. I could really see it going either way. Right. It's, I think, <clears throat> at least my hope anyway, is that it is, 
very, very hopeful mm-hmm. and very encouraging. Not not so much because of you know the business that we we find the secret trick to you know <laughs> <laughs> you know take You've over the, the key. Yeah. Right, right. There's no key at the end of the uh, at the end of the film, but it's about people, you know. And I think anytime you look at a situation and you humanize it and you bring it to the people. You're going to find, you're going to unearth amazing things. Um, so this is definitely dealing with the business, but it's about the people, the individuals at record companies and also, you know, artists that are making and creating those types of things. Um, and I think anytime you have people, there's hope mm. because people evolve and people change and people evolve and change to then influence and change other situations. All right. That's exciting. Um, <laughs> and so uh, now real quick, I do want to... Now, you've mentioned that, that Broke is is completely funded by... Um, there was a term you used. Uh, now I don't well, remember. We said crowdsourced, crowdfunded. Cr- crowdfunded, okay. Yeah. Um, and now the film is f- finished. Um, mm-hmm. Is there... Can people still go to the website and and give? I mean, is there... I mean could always use more you know right well well, one thing for the film in terms of like our 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 budget and our funding we've done a lot of a lot of things on favors and deferred payments and Mm -hmm. so as we have this pseudo finished product now you know there's still money that we need to raise and so people can can go online and do that we have t-shirts and things for sale and we'll be rolling out more merch uh, in the coming weeks but all of that stuff goes to help pay people that have been working on this for two years and haven't seen a dime. So we okay. want to like honor those things. And then also to continue to just spread the word, you know, um, because for us, it's really about getting these stories out of all these artists, these independent artists that you'll meet throughout the film. I mean, it definitely follows my story, but you'll meet a dozen or so independent artists from all over the country that you could have turned the camera and followed them and gotten, either the same or very similar story so we want to make it a point of new music discovery and Mm -hmm. we we see broke as more of a movement it's going to be an ongoing thing where we'll continue to film interviews and all of the interviews that didn't make it in the film the extra footage from the interviews that did Mm -hmm. those will all be housed online on our website and for us to continue to do that you know it will take some funding and to keep all of that going you know but we want to hopefully bring people new artists, new information, and, and be a little bit of a culture music curator, so to speak, um, just giving people a platform. So almost because it is it is crowdfunded, you almost seem to feel a certain degree of obligation, not obligation, that, that almost has a negative term, but uh, perhaps responsibility to the crowd that, that was so generous to your film to kind of engage in a, engage in a back and forth and give them things back. Absolutely. I mean, the people that have supported us and I feel like the people that will, they're not buying into a film. They're buying into an idea. They're buying into a movement. And so to continue that movement, you know, to truly create movement momentum, you know, we, we feel like we have to keep the, the website fresh with new content and we're developing the new site right now. And, you know, should be up in a month or so, um, so that when we do launch the film, uh, we'll have that foundation, we'll have that groundwork, and it'll be easy for us to maintain and continue to put up new content um, surrounding these different ideas. And the issues change. I mean, that's the wonderful and challenging thing about the music business is that two weeks from now, it could be totally different. All right. Well, I better get this episode up. Um, so that was dumb. Uh, so, okay. Uh, so just to make sure, um, oh, and then uh, a little question for myself. Uh, okay. Uh, you said that you don't consider yourself a filmmaker though you have made a film. So you are a, technically speaking a filmmaker. Right. Um, is it something you would ever want to do again? No, no. Okay. That's a, <laughs> that's a very definitive. No, <laughs> I, I have the utmost respect for any filmmaker. You know, this has definitely been one of the hardest things that I've ever done. Definitely the largest project, just in terms of scope, that I've ever worked on. Um, and it's thrilling to, to do it, but 
it is not for me you know <laughs> I, I i i'm a musician you know i i much much more enjoy uh telling my stories in that way but i but i love to work with film you know so okay. if there are filmmakers that need some music then let, <laughs> let's talk about it but uh i don't foresee myself making another film all right one and done that's uh, we'll, we'll see you know i i never thought i'd make a film and here i am so there you go never say never that's what we get from this episode. It's the title of the new Justin Bieber documentary. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so uh, so where can people go to find out about this stuff? As far as Broke, uh, what is the website for that? Broke is Broke Doc, so B-R-O-K-E-D-O-C, Broke Doc.com. Okay. Um, and then backslash Broke Doc. For Facebook and Twitter, uh, those are the best ways to kind of keep up with us. Okay. And then as far as your website, that is Will Gray Music? Yeah, Will Gray Music, and it's G-R-A-Y. G-R-A-Y, indeed, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's willgraymusic.com. Uh, and then we, are, we will be giving away an autographed copy of your EP, Introducing Will Gray. So anybody who's interested in that, uh, email me, tyler at morethanonelesson.com, and I will announce... Uh, the winner of that drawing uh, in the next episode, whenever that might be. So, uh, Will, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. And, of course, uh, as I mentioned, you can email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. You can also go to the website, uh, morethanonelesson.com, and find uh, there's not a lot of new content. There's a couple new blogs from uh, uh, Robert Hornack, but uh, not honestly not that much uh, beyond that. But you can find you can go to the website and find out uh, information about uh, our guests, and you can find out more about uh, about Will. And there are links to all of his uh, all of his uh, websites and endeavors uh, on uh, the website. Um, let's see, and then of course you can follow me at Twitter. Uh, that's at More Lessons, and we're actually going to be going out on one of Will's songs from uh, introducing Will Gray, his EP. Uh, this song is going to be called, it is called, Back to the Wall. So uh, thanks everybody for listening, and I'll get you next time. Bye. Back to the wall, man. Still got a hustle and nothing new. The rent's due, and I ain't been home in a month or two. And I'm surrounded, but I feel alone. They say they love me, but it doesn't show. I was out of mind, so I got outside. Now I'm looking in the mirror, trying to pick the And lights. I can feel the struggle, the toss of the sea, and don't move. And the push and the shove to keep my feet moving. The feeling, the fear, the path that I'm choosing. It's like I keep telling myself to just get back, step back, fall back. I'm coming alive, whoa. But I'm pulling in It's suicide Too much pride So far from who I am It could be homicide Walking with the pain is like I'm giving birth To myself I wasn't really worth Another back Another night A new end Choking out of your life And I can feel the struggle The toss of the sea And don't move And the push and the shove To keep my feet looting The feeling of the fear Of the path that I'm choosing It's like I keep telling myself And just Get back Do it. Yes. And when they fight, man, th- your way right through it. Break out tonight cause you got something to prove. And ain't lose nothing cause you ain't got nothing to lose. I know it's hard knock, but you got it and you do. You pick and choose, but you gotta follow the cue. All the signs to the deal, they get from 10 to a meal. And when they try to drop you, you gotta tell them for real to just get back, step back, fall back. I'm coming to the line,